0: I believe that this is so important for us because what I don't know about the future. Is everything, but what I do know about the future is I know who I'm gonna know in the future, and that's the Lord. If, as we've been talking about, I stay abiding in Jesus, I keep in His Word, I keep myself committed to simply responding to Jesus, I keep myself committed to be part of a family of faith that's fully engaged, I remember that it's not just about me, but it's also about being on mission in my community, in my world.
1: Can you see into the future? Don't worry, you don't need to answer that because no one knows what's coming. Just look at the past few years. There's no way to predict the future. But Pastor Daniel will tell you today that there is a way to set yourself up to be a better human being when the future arrives. It's simple work on your relationship with Jesus right now. Let him grow you into the person he knows you can be. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Jeremiah chapter 29 as he begins his message Our Future.
0: All the way through this series that we've been doing called Restoration, we've been looking at this idea of God doing a beautiful work of restoring, of bringing back to life. This whole picture of there's this house that needs to be fixed up, the classic fixer upper house, right? That all of us have, there's restoration that needs to happen. But I, you never actually hear the story about what happens after the fixer-upper is bought and what the future holds. One of the programs me and my family like to watch is that program called Shark Tank because you're always talking about business with the kids. And you know. And I always love when Shark Tank, I mean, all the different deals and the pitches and all those things, if you ever watch the show where there's a number of people who are are kind of venture capitalists and they're investing in companies. But my favorite part of the show is actually when they show us former people who were in other seasons... And what has happened now? We, we get, you get a view into what does the future look like? Because we've been talking a lot about as a church family and, and as individuals, what is the restoration that God wants to do? What is it going to look like? And why are we the way that we are? And why are we doing the things that we're doing? We looked at our foundation, our mission, and our vision. We looked at our Dr. Mr. Framework, the framing of the house. And then, you know, sure enough, last week I made the point that the key for us is the fruit that gets born in the house. But then you start asking yourself about, well, what does the future hold? And I've been thinking about this a lot because, you know, my bride Lynn, you know, her and her family, my father-in-law bought the house that not only my bride, but all of my brother-in-law's were raised in, and he bought that house many, many years ago in the sixties. And now that my father-in-law, I mean, my father-in-law, God bless him, is uh, 86 years old right now. But all of their family memories take place in this one house, this one location. And many of you have a similar story where it's the family house and and all this stuff has, has gone on there. And you sometimes you wonder like, okay, so like, you know, now that everyone's grown up and like for my bride, you know, and her family, everyone's grown up and everyone's out of the house and You start to think to yourself, well, what will happen if at some point maybe we sell this, you know, they sell this house, and then a new family comes in, and then there's the next storyline that begins to grow. There's there's a future that God wants for each one of us, and we know that God wants to bear fruit in our lives and in our church family in the present, but you start asking yourself, well, what, what should the future look like? Now, if there's ever some a scenario that makes people nervous is when you start talking about the future because you know nobody has control over the future and and even if you you know you got one point twenty one you know gigawatts or megawatts or whatever it was from Back to the Future kilohertz I forget what it is one point twenty one gigawatts or whatever you know and if you have that little machine I was the Back to the Future movies were really fun weren't they you know where where you just think to yourself man if someone could bring a Farmer's Almanac back from the future. Right? That's how Biff made all of his money. He was betting on all the things. He already knew what was going to happen. Classic movie from the 80s, right? It's like nobody knows what the future is going to hold. We know that Jesus holds the future. But when you start thinking about, hey, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. And one of the things that I love so much about following Jesus is Jesus knows what the future holds. And Jesus actually gives each one of us, hey, there's a way that you can live that will ensure certain things about your future. And one of the things I love, we may not know the details of what is going to happen. But if we keep the vision that God has given us in the center of our lives... I actually believe that we know a lot of what the future will hold, although the details will be surprises to us. And so to close out this restoration series, I want to bookend our, our, this whole series and our time together by going back to the text we began the series in. And that's Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 10 to 14. So if you could open up your Bibles, Jeremiah 29 verses 10 to 14. If you don't have a physical Bible, I would encourage you to just open up another browser window or pull out your mobile phone and go to your favorite Bible app or whatever. And just, I want you to be able to hear this verse. And and we've already talked about this a little bit, but I want to remind us all of this. So it says this, Jeremiah, the prophet, chapter 29, verse 10. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon... I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and you will go and you will pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations, and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I will cause you to be carried away captive. Now, what I love so much, and of course Jeremiah twenty nine, eleven is such a famous verse. I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a what? A future and a hope. But this word is coming right on the heels of a great national tragedy. I mean, this prophecy is literally speaking about that the children of Israel are ultimately going to be off of their land for 70 years. So so you have all of the Babylonian siege and all of the heartache that comes with that, the destruction of Jerusalem and the first temple, all the heartache of that. And then they get exiled off the land and they spend 70 years as strangers in a strange land. You go all the way back to their story of the exodus. and, and, And when uh, Jacob and his sons ended up being strangers and all those subsequent generations were strangers in Egypt. And sure enough, God came to deliver them. God saying, listen, even though you're going to Babylon and you're going to spend a couple generations there, I have a plan to bring you back. And part of the restoration of what God wants to do in us and also what he wants to do in the children of Israel is he really wants, and what God is most interested in is relationship, not just a superficial relationship, Not just like, hey, I believe in God as a kind of fire insurance to keep me out of an eternal hell, but like a real relationship, right? And I think in a lot of ways, what 2020 has done for all of us is it forces us to have to look at, okay, what does my relationship with the Lord really look like? Like, is it just purely utilitarian? I believe in Jesus. I worship it when things are good. When things are bad, I kind of lose my brains, Right? I caught myself doing that stuff. Like I caught myself being frustrated and not worshiping in the midst of all that was going on. And what's beautiful is that in the restoration of what the Lord wants to do, he says, you'll call upon me, you'll go and you'll pray to me, and I'm going to listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me. I love that. Talk about a future and a hope. You'll seek me and you're going to find me when you search me with all your heart. And then God says, once you find him, then he's like, and were all the different places you've been sent in exile... I'm going to bring you back. You know, and so the, the physical resettling and restoration of the nation of Israel was actually not the primary purpose, but it was the secondary purpose. What The primary purpose was a restoration in relationship. And I believe that this is so important for us because what I don't know about the future is everything. But what I do know about the future is I know who I'm going to know in the future, and that's the Lord. If... As we've been talking about, I stay abiding in Jesus. I keep in his word. I keep myself committed to simply responding to Jesus. I keep myself committed to be part of a family of faith that's fully engaged. I remember that it's not just about me, but it's also about being on mission in my community, in my world. See, if all these things happen, and I have a vibrant relationship with Jesus and with the people of God, and I see myself a salt and light in the community, I don't know all the details of the future, but I know who I'm going to know when I'm there, because that's what God's really interested in. A lot of us are more interested in like, hey, so places, you know, when is it going to be over? What's it going to look like? I always said, I'm not scared of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens, right? It's like we get worried about those type of things, which, and that's real life. But one of the things you know about your future is that you know who you know, and you know the Lord. And the Lord says, listen, when you call on me and pray to me, and you're going to find me. And I love that about the Lord. The one thing you can be sure of about the future is that God has a plan for our future. And he has a hope for us in the midst of our futures. So what is that going to look like? And, and really what I want to do is I just want to recap some things for us today that I think are really, really important. First, you and I, we need to build our lives on Jesus. Plain and simple. We build our lives on Jesus. We went back to our message that we called our foundation. We looked at the foundation of our church. We began with that beautiful passage from Matthew chapter seven, of course, talking about that we hear the teachings of Jesus and we do them. And that's like the person who built their house on the rock. And right here, right now, you need to build your entire life upon Jesus, who he is, what he has done You need to, as you build your life upon Jesus, you need to build your purpose around his purpose, his will. And I think that whole idea of I surrender my will to the will of the Lord, whatever his plan is, that's a commitment that we need to make because if you build your life on Jesus, then you know that your future is held in his hands. And his nothing happens. There's a classic saying, that nothing can happen to the man of God as long as he is in the hands of the Lord because nothing can stop him until God is finished doing that work. And I love that. It gets me so excited because I'm like, oh, okay, so for me, if I build my life on Jesus, even whatever the hour of my demise may be, that is also in the hands of the Lord because I am completely, I am unstoppable until the Lord is done with me. Like, nothing can happen to me until the Lord says, that's the end of the journey. And what's a beautiful thing is, is it's not like, oh, well, God's done with him. It's like, no, no, my purpose here is done. And that's in God's hands. See, so we build our entire lives on Jesus. And of course, the Bible talks about Jesus being the chief cornerstone. And when they would build structures back in the day, the entire foundation was built around this one corner piece. The corner piece had to be perfect. And everything was, was squared up because of its being built upon and around the chief cornerstone. And so we want your life. I want my life. You should want your life. And we as a church, this church is built upon Jesus. And you have to ask yourself right now, are you building right now your life upon Jesus? Or are you building it upon other things? And let's like... I've been around the block. I'm, I, I, even in my time walking with Jesus, I would never say, hey, I always built my life on Jesus. I got, I've gotten sidetracked by everything and its mom, you know, as the saying goes. You know, like I remember when I started to work on our family finances very quick, I'm like, oh, I got, I'm taking this out of the authority of Jesus. This is a problem, you know, when you have these things and this thing and he got this thing going on. And it's like, it's so easy to take other things and try to build your life around that. Many of you know what it's like because when maybe a significant other comes in your life and before you know it, they're more important than Jesus, right? And, and like, and that is one of, the, one of the ways that we start building our lives around other things. So we want to build our lives on Jesus, who he is. Now from there, And if you've been around crosses at all, we talk about this all the time. You and I, we live upward, inward, and outward. We live upward, inward, and outward. We believe that this concept is absolutely essential because Jesus said it's the most important thing. The whole upward, inward, and outward concept, we get right out of Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. Where it says, but when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him, saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all of the law And the prophets. So they came to Jesus, they wanted him to do all of the law of Moses, all 613 commandments down to just one. And Jesus is like, hey, I'll give you two. And first he quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, right? That's upward. That's us in the totality of who we are loving God, right? So we live upward. And then he says, the second is like it, and he quotes, Leviticus 19:18 you shall love your neighbor as yourself now you love your neighbor that's outward as you love yourself which is inward and we are aware of the fact that God is inviting each one of us to live upward, inward, and outward. Now, just the way right now we're building our lives upon Jesus, and we know our future should be built upon Jesus and who he is, what I can tell you is that if you're building your life upon Jesus now and it's into the future, then every single day of your life you are living upward, inward, and outward. Now, I did write that book, Upward, Inward, and Outward, and I, and I unpack, like, hey, what does it look like to cultivate upward, inward, and outward living at all times? But here's what I want to tell you. If you haven't noticed Who we are as a church is also completely built upward, inward, and outward. Why? Because Jesus is real. That's upward. We're a family of faith fully engaged as a church. That's inward. That's us as a church family. We're all a family, and we're a family together, and we're all involved, and then we're outward transforming our community and our world. Now, here's what I want to tell you. You want to make sure you are simultaneously living upward, inward, and outward, and it's in that order of priority, the most of our struggles become when we take the upward, inward, and outward framework and we mix up the order, right? Like, like let me give you an example. Many of you know what this is like. You start living outward. So you're, 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 you're expending a lot of energy to help a lot of people, but you're not living upward and, getting, and having your relationship with Jesus solid. And what happens? You get burned out you get frustrated, you get in a fight with those people. That's what happens. Why? Because you're living outward before you're first living upward. Or what is the common mistake of this generation is everything's about the individual. So everyone's living inward. It's like, oh no, this is for me. I need to take care of myself. And what we we have such an, like our culture is so pervasively self-centered that you actually can't even talk about inward living without everyone being like, you're not supposed to talk like that. But here's the deal. You are supposed to live inward, just not Primarily. You're supposed to live upward first because the only way we can truly love ourselves as Jesus is talking about is first to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. If you live inward without first living upward, now you're the center of the solar system. And I know it's very sad when everyone else doesn't revolve around you. That's the common struggle in relationships today. Everybody thinks I'm the center, everybody exists, and my gravity keeps everything together. No, And what happens is, is many people right now are destroying their lives because they're focused inward, primarily. It's them first. And then when you get inward, if you do inward, then upward, it's all jacked up because God drives our identity. So the key is to keep it in the right order. Upward drives the inward. The inward drives the outward. There's no such thing as loving yourself apart from knowing the love of God. When you love yourself apart from the love of God, you have self-idolatry, really. It's self-love apart from Jesus is idolatry. So you have to make sure you get the order right, upward, inward, and outward. Now, here's what I want to tell you. No matter how long you're on the globe, every single day you get to live upward, inward, and outward. And really the key is to let God's love reach us. We love him because he first loved us. We respond to God's love by giving him love back. And out of the overflow of that love, now we begin to see ourselves through the lens of the cross and we love ourselves both in our the fact that we're creating God's image and likeness, and we're also flawed, which we also see, because our love of God teaches us, oh yeah, when I'm looking into the eyes of the perfect God, I got all sorts of issues. And then, out of the overflow of that, now all of a sudden we can move out into the world, energized by God's love for the world, not just our own, tapped into God's strength, and his passion for the world, and now all of a sudden we can live outward, but we're not ever just living outward in totality, because the upward and the inward starts to drive the outward. And, in a lot of ways, for the person who simply responds to Jesus, you're constantly being invited into the upward, inward, and outward relationship. Like, we get to live in love in three directions. That's how I like to say it. And the key for us right now, if we're building our lives on Jesus, what we're saying is we have to make sure the upward is rock solid. Right? And let the upward drive the inward. And then as we grow and as we mature, that relationship, that upward, inward, and outward reality will always be happening. And that's what our future will hold. See, I realize, I don't know what the decade of the 20s is going to be. I don't know what, if if I make it into the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, I don't know what it's going to hold. But I do know if I build my my, my life on Jesus, I do know I'll be living upward, inward, and outward. Because every single day is a day to simply respond to Jesus and love God and let God show me who I am and then to be salt and light in the community. Now, One of the things else you need to know about your future, I need to know about my future, is that we have to remember that we're better together. We have to remember that we are better together. And what I mean by that is, remember I said earlier how our culture is so radically self-focused? The big lie that everyone is buying is that you're actually, you don't need anybody. And I'm here to tell you that's totally wrong. You need lots of people. And what happens is it's in our self-centeredness, what we have a tendency to do is separate us from the people who we need the most because we find the friction of discipleship to be so challenging. Me and my bride Lynn always talk about this. And, and it's funny that each one of us, we're each other's sandpaper from the Lord. in God wanting to do that work of refining, of renewing, of restoring, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And oftentimes God will use the people closest to us as the high friction areas, right? Me and Lynn always talk about that, that when God is using one of our characters to reveal one of our character flaws, it's not fun. Nobody enjoys that. I mean, he's constantly just realizing, oh man, this is a rough spot. It's a growing edge. But when you realize that really what God is interested in is bearing the fruit that he wants to bear in our life, that God is not done with any of us yet, that we're all in process. That sandpaper is essential. I remember when I saw a house being built and they were, you know, they put up all the sheetrock on the wall so you have the framing. And of course, then they go and they mud over it. But they don't just paint over it, right? Then you have to sand the whole thing down. Now, of course, you know, they use a lot of texture on the walls now to be able to kind of cover up some of the impurities. But you still need to sand up over all the places where the tape is or else you'd have these big globs of, you know, of the tape and of the joint compound and all the different things that they're using. And in a lot of ways, we're better together because as the body of Christ, one of us does not fulfill everything, but all of us together with Jesus as the head. Now we're the church and we all have a work of purifying one another in the journey. And so I want you to remember that sometimes the people closest to you are also the hardest people to be around because they know you the best. They see you the most purely and truly, right? Because not everybody sees, you know, you, you put out your public face for everybody, but then there are people who know who you really are, right? The people who see you without the airbrush picture, you know, the, the ones who, you know, people post on social media, they put their, their favorite pictures up there. But there are people who see your not favorite pictures, Right? They know you that way. And we have to remember that we're better together. One of the things that I am constantly watching is I'm watching how the enemy likes to try and pull people apart. And some of the things, like, listen, the body of Christ is big and vast, but some of it is just straight up demonic because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy our intimacy with God and with other people, I have to constantly remind myself in an individualistic culture, I'm better with other people around than I am on my own.
1: Jesus is real. That might be news to you, but what Pastor Daniel just talked about is true. We're all better in community. Why is that? Pastor Daniel shared today how much more you grow by allowing other God-honoring people into your life. They sharpen you, challenging you on sinful areas that may need some work in your life. Surround yourself with people who will lovingly point you to your Savior often.
0: Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel
1: on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will discuss the important order your relationships need to follow, upward, inward, and outward. You can't fully appreciate the person God made you to be without first connecting with your creator. All of you flows from who He is and who He's made you to be. And then you can love others with the love you've received from above. Let the Lord fill you up and overflow to everyone you meet. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Restoration. Until then, may God bless.